Let us turn back now to Acts chapter 9. And we may centre our thoughts around verses 11 and 12 of Acts chapter 9. And the Lord said unto Ananias, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. The conversion of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus has remained a very powerful witness down through the centuries. People today talk about a Damascus road experience far beyond the bounds of the Christian church. It's spoken of to represent a, a sudden change of heart, not just in Christian things, but in other things as well. And the way that the Damascus Road experience has become proverbial has brought its own witness into the world. It has left some understanding in the world at large that to be a Christian involves some radical change in our lives from what we once were to what we now are. To be a Christian is something that doesn't come naturally to us. It comes by way of Christian conversion, God changing us. And the witness of Paul's conversion helps with that understanding. But it has also left a misunderstanding about Christian conversion. And that's the reason why I feel we need to take a second look at the Damascus Road experience this morning. A Damascus Road experience, when it's used proverbially, yes, speaks of a change, but speaks of a sudden and dramatic change. And although Paul's conversion was certainly that, all Christian conversion is not that. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. But the devil is very expert at giving the impression even to folks who have grown up in the church and who have attended church perhaps all their lives, the devil is very good at working this misunderstanding that to become a Christian must involve a change that is both sudden and dramatic. And that often appeals to our natural sinful nature. Because it allows us to believe that we really have very little responsibility for our own conversion. If we're going indeed to be Christians. Because conversion is to do with the sudden and the dramatic. And if we're going to be Christians, it will overcome us in that sudden and dramatic way. It will have very little to do with our own responsibility. It will be easy. It will be without doubts. Because it will be so sudden. It will be so dramatic. And that appeals to the flesh. Something that's easy. 
something that I don't have to think about too much, something that I don't have to apply myself too much. If it happens, it will be clear and I will hardly need to think about it. It's because of that misunderstanding that I think the aftermath of Paul's conversion is most important. You see, the story does not finish with what happened on the Damascus Road. It goes on to tell us also what happened in Damascus itself. And this also, this part that is often so neglected, is a real and integral part of the story of Paul's conversion. And that's what I want us to look at this morning because it teaches us a most important lesson. The evidence of Christian conversion. The true and the most important evidence of whether you and I, whether you are a Christian or not, is not how that conversion took place, whether it was sudden or dramatic. We hear of Lydia, for instance, that she was the one converted whose heart the Lord opened. It seems to have been very quiet and very undramatic. Very unlike Paul, but still conversion. Still a heart that was closed to God and to Jesus Christ is converted, is changed, and is now a heart open to God and to Jesus Christ. And the important proof, therefore, is not the way that that conversion it happens, but the evidence that it has happened. In other words, what a person is converted to what they have become is the important evidence of Christian conversion. And that's why we need to move on from what happened on the road to Damascus to see what happened in Damascus itself. Because what happened in Damascus is the evidence that Paul was truly converted and that it wasn't just some mere emotional experience, but was truly a work of Jesus Christ by his Spirit. And when we move on to Damascus with Paul, we find that two things had happened to him that proved that he was converted. Two things that were to last, two things that were to stay with him in some form or another as a Christian believer. First of all, Paul was weakened. When Paul is converted, he shows some signs of weakness. And this is evidenced for us especially by the words in our text that remind us that the great change in Paul is proved to Ananias by the Lord telling Ananias, He's praying. 
that's the evidence of this converted man. He is now praying. He is revealing a true sense of need, a true sense of dependence on the living God. He's praying. He's no longer the bold and brash and super confident Paul that he was. He's got many felt needs in his life. He is aware of his need to trust in the living God. And sincere prayer that we know having started in Paul's life, continued throughout his life. We have so many evidences in the epistles. We'll come across one of these evidences tonight in the service if the Lord spares us. The importance of prayer in the life of the Apostle Paul. And so you see what happens when Paul is converted is not floods of joy, not super confidence, but a praying, and a praying in some darkness, in some real sense of felt need, because at this point Paul is physically blind, although not spiritually blind. And he is feeling his inadequacy and his need. And he's praying. Not an easy experience. It may be for Sam. But it wasn't for Paul. And this we have to take on board when we talk about a Damascus Road experience. You see, Christian conversion... Sooner or later. For Paul it was sooner. For all who will be converted. For all who are converted here this morning. There must be the experience sooner or later. Of learning something about our own hearts. Of learning something about the depth of the sin of our hearts. And our consequent need. To trust wholly in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's prayer in his blindness is about. He has much still to learn. He has much still to get sorted out. That will go on in the process of sanctification. But he's praying. He has a feeling of felt spiritual need. And he takes that need and entrusts that need to the living God whom he has just met in the person of Jesus Christ. Of course conversion was not easy for Paul. Because in his conversion Paul had to face up to what his life had been up till that point. He had been persecuting Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus revealed to Paul on the Damascus Road. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. In all that life up till now of super confidence, where Paul was trusting in himself and was full of confidence that he was doing the right thing. We found out a little bit more about this on Sunday evenings recently as we've been going through Philippians chapter 3 where Paul details there the way that he was so confident of pleasing God by his own effort. 
And on the Damascus road, Jesus says to him, Paul, all you've been doing is persecuting me. All you've been doing is acting like the people who nailed me to the cross and said, crucify him, crucify him. That's what your life has been like as long as you've been trusting in yourself. So Paul has had to learn a distrust in himself. And it has had to be replaced with a trust in Jesus Christ. And prayer is the evidence of that. And that's what being converted, that's what being a Christian is essentially a bet. Distrusting ourselves and our own ability to please God and to get to heaven. And trusting only in Jesus and his power and what he has done on the cross for us in paying the price for a forgiveness for us and a reconciliation with God for us. Christian conversion is not a superficial work. We have to be careful of that because we are living in a superficial age. I think probably television has done this for us more than anything else in our age. But it has gathered great momentum. And people are not interested in thinking deeply and are not interested in that deep changing work being done in their hearts. It's all to do with the superficial. We live on sound bite. And this present election process is making that abundantly clear. Politicians recognize that the general public is unwilling to take very little in is unwilling to spend much real time considering deeply what is best for us. They want it to be make, made easy and we are amongst them so that we can put our cross down on May the 1st without very little real thought and real prayer. And if that's our way, then we'll get what we deserve. But the Bible is telling us that life is much more serious. And we have to face up to the consequences, the eternal consequences, of a spiritual life, no matter how good, how moral it may be, that is a life without Jesus Christ at the center. The person who is converted is the person who is willing to learn more and more that he needs the Spirit of God to search his heart ever more deeply. That he may have to expose to him or she may have exposed to her the depths of the sinfulness and the ways in which we go contrary to God's way. That we may learn to trust in Jesus only for the greatest needs of our lives. 
that we may be right with God at the end of our lives. Now I ask you if you are converted. I don't ask you if you've had some dramatic experience of God entering into your life. I don't ask you that. There will be some converted people here this morning, maybe myself included, who have had such an experience. But there will be others, just as converted, who have not had such an experience. I ask you, are you converted? I ask you, is there a change? And so I ask you, have you been weakened like the Apostle Paul? Have you recognized your great spiritual need before Almighty God and that you cannot sort out your life in your own strength and by your own efforts and that you need desperately Jesus Christ? And are you showing your trust in Him by your daily prayers to Him? that he will save you daily, that he will keep you, that he will enable you to trust in him and to go his way little by little, more and more. I ask you, are you converted? Are you so convinced of your weakness? I'm not asking you, are you as convinced of your weakness as you ought to be? I am not asking you, have you that deep sense of spiritual weakness so that it's as deep as it may yet become. But I'm asking you, have you such a sense of your own weakness as Paul had? That he turned from resisting Christ to trusting in him and to asking him constantly to be a saviour, to be a shepherd, to be his guide. Are you converted? Because without being converted, you cannot enter heaven. And then there's another evidence of Paul's weakness. Not only through his prayers is there this evidence that conversion brought weakness. But the fact that he needed Ananias is another evidence of the great change that had taken place in Paul and that he had become weak in a new way because he was converted. Can you imagine Paul for one moment the day he left Jerusalem for Damascus believing that he would need one of those folks, those despised folks who called themselves Christians, that he would need him. Can you imagine Paul thinking like that? But he's been converted. And he sees the church in a new way. And he sees his dependence on the church in a new way. Paul came to Damascus to seek those people out 
in a display of his strength. But he was converted. And they came to seek him out in a display of his weakness. You see, Jesus had said to Paul on the road to Damascus, you're persecuting me as you go to Damascus to persecute the church. If in persecuting the church, Paul was persecuting Christ, then in being reconciled to Christ, Paul had to be reconciled to the church. To the people of Christ. Dependence on Christ and dependence on the people of God go hand in hand. Love for Christ and love for his people, sinners though they are, go hand in hand. If you're converted, you will have changed your views on the people of God. The Apostle John makes this abundantly clear in his first epistle. When he says, says by this shall you know that you have turned from death unto life, because you love the brethren. That change was evident in Paul. What comfort he must have felt when he heard Ananias speaking into his blind condition and saying, Brother Saul. This is God's way. It's God's way of testing that we're depending on him. If we will depend on him, we will depend on his ways. And at the center of his ways is the fellowship and the integration of the church of Christ in this earth imperfect though it is and we're faced with that sort of challenge when we come up to a communion season you see at a communion time the people who are willing to profess Christ as their saviour they stand out. They're separated. And I wonder sometimes if there are those who are unwilling to face up to that challenge. How many of you here this morning plan not to be at the service next Sunday morning? Why is it that so many of you stay away on Communion Sunday morning? Is it that you are not willing to face up to the challenge that to be united to Christ you must be united to his imperfect and despised people? Why is it that there are those who want to stay on the fringe, 
Are you trusting in Christ? Or are you not? If you are, why will you not take your place with all its responsibilities of membership? With all its burdens of membership? Yes, with the need to become more integrated. To come closer into involvement and into the organization of the people of God. The two go together. And if you will constantly resist commitment to the one, be careful lest you lose out on commitment to the other. We need to be willing to profess that we are so weak as converted people that we need to be intimately involved with the people of God and receive the strength and the sharing and the communion that is God's means of strengthening his people. Paul was weakened. But you see, at the very time that Paul was weakened, Paul is strengthened. In the very experience of a new weakness, the weakness that shows itself in dependence, that is part of being converted, at the very in the very experience of this new weakness, there is an experience of new strength. There is this early evidence that Paul is receiving strength that he didn't have before. He is weakened by being converted. But at the same time, he is strengthened. Most obviously, he is strengthened by the fellowship of the people of God. People whose blessing he could never have shared in the past come to him. And they're an immediate blessing to him. By that introduction of Ananias, brother Saul, Paul is made aware right at the beginning that he has become part of a communion, of a family that are for one another, that can know great blessing together as they share Christ together. Being part of the family of God is one of the greatest blessings of being a Christian. We've been finding that out recently in our prayer meetings as we've been going through John chapter 17. Perhaps you could go through it for yourself today, especially the earlier part of it, and see the way that Jesus describes his disciples, the people of God. Now Jesus knew very well that they were far from perfect. There were many weaknesses, many sins still most evident in their lives. But see the way he describes their privileges, their blessings. Paul was strengthened by fellowship with the Lord's people. Now again, the obvious application is the communion service that we look forward to this coming Sunday. It's a service of fellowship. It's a service that gives the people of God the opportunity to share Christ together in a way that Christ has uniquely promised to blaze. 
anyone here this morning who is converted? Maybe not suddenly converted, but trusting only in Christ because of a recognition of your deep spiritual weakness. Do you see what you do when you resist coming to the communion? Do you see that you resist a blessing, the blessing of fellowship, the blessing of sharing Christ that is at the heart of being strengthened as a converted person? You must resist that resistance and do only what pleases Christ. Then he was strengthened with light. He received his sight. He was left for a time in darkness, surely to learn of his need to depend. And then the light came back again. Really, I suppose, the same light as he had seen on the Damascus road, shining from Christ. The scriptures tell us that it, it came, this new light, this new sight. It came with the coming of the Holy Spirit in new power to him, in new filling to him. And so it was a picture to Paul of the way that he was now as a converted person, dependent on the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of holiness. The Spirit who takes the word of God and enlightens us and enables us to... to find and to know and to walk in the ways of God's holiness, the ways that are according to his law. That's what we've been singing about in Psalm 119. It's the song of a converted man who has found that God's word is a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. That as long as he stays with the word of God, he receives strength for every eventuality in his life. And those who are converted this morning, you may still have many doubts and fears. You may have doubts as a Christian just because you feel that you have lacked some sudden dramatic Damascus Road experience. But you know that you depend on God's Word. You know that you are at your best. You know that life is most enjoyable for you. The more you are able to understand God's word and to do it. These are the ways you learn. These are the ways you want. They are giving you strength little by little by little. Oh, not as much as you want. But little by little by little you are learning that your strength comes only from Christ through his word and through obedience to that word. You are converted. And part of that word is a command. Concerning the Lord's table that says to you if you're a Christian Yes, a doubting Christian, 
a fearful Christian, but a Christian. Converted. And that same word says to you, commands you, this do in remembrance of me. And then the final thing is that Paul was strengthened by a conviction of the resurrected Christ. That's what Paul got back to. He had been convinced of the resurrected Christ on the Damascus Road. The story of what happened in Damascus shows that that's where Paul's converted life now centered. He was so convinced of the resurrected Christ that he began to preach that Christ to the people in Damascus. And although they objected and resisted, we read at verse 22, but Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. That was the thing that kept him going. And when there was resistance, when there was difficulty, when there was problem, that's what enabled him to get new strength to keep on the converted way. It was the assurance that Jesus Christ was living, alive, risen from the dead, and God said. To those of you who are already converted, and to find that still all sorts of doubts and fears come into your life. I encourage you, and I try to make this my own practice because I've found it works. I encourage you to get back to the story of Jesus in the Gospel. If you have intellectual doubts, if you have doubts because of the circumstances that you find yourself in today and you wonder if God is really good, oh yes, the evil one can put that sort of doubt into the heart of a truly converted person. Is God my, who I thought was my Father in heaven, is he really good when he is sending me this difficulty today? I encourage you to go back to the story of Jesus in the Bible. Is he really the Son of God? His resurrection proves that. Therefore, as the Son of God, he died for sinners. He is good. And I will keep trusting him because he has converted me and he is Lord and Saviour. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But is there somebody still here unconverted, resisting and doubting? Will the conversion of the Apostle Paul not convince you? Who was in a better position than Paul, a position of great authority? Who was in a better position than him to disprove the resurrection of Jesus? 
who was in a better position than him to find ways of showing that Jesus Christ was a sham, a lie, and all that was said was untrue? Who was of better in intellectual capabilities to disprove these ordinary, simple, unintellectual disciples, many of them? But he could not. because the risen living Jesus was amongst them and all that Paul could do was turn and join them in your resistance this morning will you not understand and believe that the only way of truth is to turn to be converted and to believe Jesus Christ. Amen.